0: Welcome to the WeGo Places podcast, where we catch up with WeGo grads with unique careers and the roads they travel to get there. I'm your host, Brian Turnbaugh, English teacher at WeGo since 2001, and you just heard intro music from Max Russo, the class of 2020. Today, we talk to Ryan Schultz, class of 2007, a qualified mental health professional for AID, the Association for Individual Development in Kendall County. Ryan will share how his love of learning, travel, and service to those in need made him perfectly suited for his career and social work. Joining us today is Ryan Schultz from the class of 2007. Ryan, tell us what you do. Well, um,
1: actually, I just got promoted. I am a therapist and intake coordinator uh, with the Association for Individual Development, or AID for short,
0: uh, working with uh, mental health clients. So Ryan, what does that look like? What, so like, what does your day begin like when you're working with your clients uh, and all of that? Yeah. Uh, so I think
1: one of the important things to know about my clients uh, and what makes my job so unique is they're all clients that are on uh, Medicaid and generally on Social Security Disability um, so I think all of us have gone through um, times of depression or anxiety um, at some point in our lives. We're seeing it's becoming more and more common. But our clients, uh, their mental health issues are chronic, and so really my job is to go in there and work weekly um, with these clients. Uh, my most recent position before my promotion, uh, I was a case manager, so. I would be looking at their day-to-day lives, um help them in connecting with resources that they need to uh making sure that they're doing a good job with uh their everyday activities of uh daily living, that sort of stuff.
0: So when you say you go in there and and help them, what does that mean go in there? Like so what is your activity when you're meeting with your clients look like?
1: Yeah, so um, I'm on site. I'm going into their homes, uh, going out and visiting them in their communities. Uh, At times, I will go with them to their medical provider appointments to make sure that uh, they're properly advocated for. Uh, So that's one of the things I actually really like about this job is it's very hands-on out in the community.
0: And, and how do they get referred to your organization? And to cool. you, is it are you, are you affiliated with the hospital? Who exactly is your uh, employer for this? Yeah. So AID is a nonprofit agency.
1: And really, we rely on referrals most of the time out on the community. We do have a main office in Aurora, so people could go through that. Uh, but a lot of our referrals come from individuals that have heard about our in, organization. Uh, Sometimes their family is referring uh, them to our organization. And then uh, we look at their information and we bring in an intake coordinator, which is actually going to be uh, one of my new responsibilities uh, with my promotion. And we go in there, uh, get a basic background of their mental health history, what their needs are for the organization. Uh, We help them to form uh, an individual plan Uh, with goals and
0: objectives uh, for how they want to improve
1: in their mental health.
0: So we're going to come back to maybe some of the the goal setting and kind of stories of success of what you do at work. Um, But I was wondering if you can kind of uh, walk me through uh, what did you do when you left Wego and how did and then maybe we'll kind of trace back to where we are uh, today with that. So uh, when you left uh, Wego, uh, where'd you off to school?
1: Yeah. So it was a long journey. Uh I went to the University of Wisconsin, Madison, so proud badger. And I majored in English literature and Hebrew and Semitic studies. And um that was always interesting. I'm sure you've heard the
0: question, uh, what do you do with a BA in English? Well, do you know? <laughs> uh you can teach and um and uh, that might be that might be it.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh you could also bartend generally. You know, bartenders <laughs> could come up with good stories or
0: uh right. Um, that well that that also uh, to include Mr. caltadroni that would in- include uh a philosophy major as well. I think you would appreciate that. So yes. Uh <laughs> but uh
1: or you could actually go back to school, which is yeah. exactly what I did. Um, so I actually have two graduate degrees. Uh, my first one was in intercultural studies and teaching English as a second language. And so in my 20s, I was an English second language teacher, uh, taught locally, uh, working with refugees, but also worked a little bit overseas as well. Uh, And just with working with a diverse group of people and getting to hear their stories got me really interested in social work. So then I ended up going back to Aurora University to get my master's degree in
0: social work. And that's how I ended up in the field that I'm in now. So, Ryan, you, you said that you did some work with refugees locally and then you did some travel overseas to kind of continue your studies with that. Maybe yeah. expand upon a little bit about what you did locally with that work with refugees. What what organization was that with?
1: Yeah. So that's with World Relief um, and I cannot plug them enough. They're an awesome organization uh, with everything that's been going on. They've consolidated to the point where it's it's World Relief in Chicago and they specialize in uh, relocating refugees um, from overseas into the United States. They're one of the few agencies that are approved by the UN and the United States to do that. And so my job, uh, when I was working with them, uh, I really had two jobs uh, from my time that I was working with them. One, I was just a regular English second language teacher, uh, but then later on, I became their job readiness instructor. And that job was, uh, I was in charge of working with newly arrived refugees, helping them acculturate to life in America and get ready for their first job.
0: I would imagine that there would be some obvious level of culture shock with refugees coming to the United States, but I I would imagine there would be some type of grieving uh, as well with if you're a refugee, you're not leaving your country because of choice. This is because your country's involved in some type of incredible political strife or ethnic upheaval, whatever it may be. Um, how how did how were you kind of trained to assist that level of care for those that were um, coming into the United States with so many kind of needs like that?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think the biggest thing I learned was uh, giving the refugees a chance if they were comfortable of being able to share a little bit of their story. Uh, their stories are so unique. Many of our refugees, uh, they come from a background where they were literally born in refugee camps and they've spent their entire life um, away from their home country until coming to the United States. And so there's a lot to process, a lot to work through. It's, it's, it's not a typical life. And I could not imagine what it would be like to grow up and not have a home and struggle with that issue of, okay, what is my identity? Uh, for instance, um, you may say that you're from the Congo, but you ended up in a refugee camp uh, later on and you never really had a chance to grow up in the Congo. Well, um, you would say you're Congolese, but at the same time, you have absolutely no memory uh, growing up with that. Um, All your identity has been built up in this camp. And um, so a lot of that is, my job was to help them uh, not only acculturate, but to also give them, well in uh, psychiatry, Uh, terms, I would use the term ego integrity. So showing that, okay, yeah, they've lived a different life. It's been a challenging life, but it it, it is still a life well lived. And uh, this is a start of a a new journey for them uh, that can be celebrated and they could now move forward with their lives.
0: Wow. That's that's really special that you're able to be part of that uh, process of reclaiming that. So you also did some work overseas. Where did you go? mm
1: mm-hmm. So
0: in the general area,
1: I was in the Arabian Peninsula. Um, it was um, overseas. Um, I always say don't use the M word, uh, but yeah, I'm Christian in my faith. So I was uh-huh. serving in that capacity, um, working as a teacher. And that was my primary responsibility. Uh, but it was a very interesting experience because uh, the Arabian Peninsula is, of course, um, pretty much 100% Muslim. Um, it's just ingrained in their culture and so a lot of my experience really was um learning a lot more about islam and how it's really it is more than a religion it's a way of life and um, muslims uh, even though they do have very different beliefs than i do their religion as well is um unique um sets of rules and beliefs uh and ultimately i i do believe um aside from your radicals uh they're really devoted to living a better life and doing the best they can um and so i think that was one of the more valuable things that i learned from it is Uh, Even though I come from a different background, uh, and I'm very devoted to my faith as a Christian, uh, the experience also gave me a lot more uh, respect for other cultures and beliefs and wanting to continue to learn more and understand people's stories and where they're coming from and why they believe what they believe, uh, and also to help them to be better able to communicate that, because that's one thing that I have found, uh, especially now as a social worker, is our parents, our families, very often we grow up living a certain way and and having a certain culture. Uh, and But when we're asked, okay, why do you do this? Why do you believe this? Well, that's just what I've always done. Um, and I think most people generally don't get past that point, uh, but it's really special when you get to the point of understanding, okay, this is why I believe what I believe, and this is what it's done in, in, in my life, and this is how it's brought me through my life. Um, I think that brings about a, a totally higher level of just confidence. Uh, and um, once again, I'll use that word, ego integrity, a life well-lived uh, and a life that's meaningful.
0: Did, did you, when you were over there and you were in, doing your work, how, what did you, do you still keep in touch with any of the people that you, uh, that you worked with while you were over there? Oh yeah, I do occasionally,
1: uh, not all too often because it is a pretty, um, harsh, challenging environment out there. Uh, and so the people over there too, um, aren't able to, um, get back to me too often. Uh, but every now and then I do get a chance to chat and catch
0: up. And, uh, I, enjoy those opportunities. So when you came back to the United States after studying abroad, working abroad, what did you do next? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, a lot of it, um, I really wasn't so sure what to do.
1: Um, Initially, I thought I had wanted to work overseas the rest of my life. Um, But one of the things that I learned while overseas is that It was very challenging living and growing in a different culture um, very isolating and I realized I didn't want to go back and that was very challenging Uh, I had really became before going overseas just laser set on yes I'm going to be doing overseas work the rest of my life and to come back and realize well that was a good experience but Uh, That's not what I want to do the rest of my life. It was very discouraging and I was depressed. And uh, I think a lot of that depression ultimately was built on the fact that I really built in my identity uh, through the work that I did. Um, I found value in the fact that I was doing overseas work, which, you know, of course, it was good work, but that's not um, all of who I am. And so... Getting back in the United States, I was challenged to really think about okay, uh, who is Ryan Schultz? Uh, What is it that makes me me? Uh, What uh, brings me value regardless of what I accomplish?
0: It sounds like your capacity for reflection really was essential for you to be able to pivot and really find that new avenue that was able to kind of reclaim this this direction uh, that you're going for and and so once you you were able to to do that um, you if I remember correctly you you began your graduate work you said it was at Aurora University where was yeah. that again yep aurora University and uh, describe that program what were some of the, the things that you did in there that you found to be very um, you know validated and how did you know that like yeah this is what I'm supposed to do?
1: Yeah, uh, well, what I really liked about it was this very different program from what I was used to in the past, having come from Whedon College and then the University of Wisconsin. Um, Both, I would say, are very intellectual-oriented programs, really pushing you as a writer um, and just taking in and learning as much information as you can, Uh, whereas the degree with Aurora, um, Not to say that it wasn't intellectual, because there were components to that. and I got to work a little bit with theory, but it was centered more so around uh, communicative competence, I think was the biggest thing. How do you work with people? How do you um, help people better express themselves? And um, how can you do that regardless of who you're working with, Uh, what they might be struggling with, and I really did get a diverse experience with that. Um, I had to complete two internships in order to complete my degree, and uh, the first one was with AID, where I'm currently working now, and then the second one was at Central DuPage Hospital uh, in their partial hospitalization program. Uh, where I would be providing both group and individual therapy and education sessions uh, to patients about uh, mental health. And I found that just very rewarding, uh, just day in and day out, just working and listening to people, um, helping people to better tell their stories Uh, That's something that I began to realize during my time in Aurora is ultimately people, we are natural storytellers. You don't have to be an English lit major to be a good storyteller. Uh, It's just something that has been ingrained in people from the very beginning. We all have a story to tell. Uh, I I believe that's why social media is so popular is it gives us an opportunity to um, tell our stories, albeit generally not the full complete story. Um, And that's one of the things that I think probably the most valuable thing that I learned during my time in Aurora is how do I help people tell their story, their true story, not just uh, the positive highlights, but also uh, the challenges and how the challenges um, not to say that they want to do their challenges over again. Uh, but we can learn from our challenges and actually it's through our challenges that we grow the most in our character um, and ultimately achieve some of our larger goals.
0: Yeah, I really like what you said there, Ryan, about the idea of storytelling. We're wired for it. This is something that I've um, also echo a lot when I speak with my students about being f- effective communicators is to think about the, the practice of, of storytelling and all that. But I think what was really interesting of what you were saying is that is that to be a good storyteller is that you have to first be a good listener. And I was wondering if you could maybe expand upon the idea of how you were able to really hone your ear to be able to listen and be able to use that as that kind of soft skill to be a better communicator on your end when you do have to um, deliver a type of constructive, um, uh, criticism or instruction for people. Um, how are you able to, what are, how, what are the ways in which you're able to kind of really develop that ear to be good at what your job is? Yeah. Um, one is, and this may stun certain people,
1: but so far in my career, and it will continue to be this way is I personally have never been responsible for someone changing their lifestyle. And I think that's one of the most important things you need to recognize if you're a social worker is that you don't change people. Rather, people make decisions to make changes to their lives. And that is such an important component to listening. If you go into a conversation thinking you're listening because you're trying to get something from that person and use it to make them change, you're not going to have much success with them. Um, I would go as far to say that's even manipulative. Uh, but if you go into the conversation of, okay, this person has a story to tell me, so I'm going to sit there and listen and then ask questions. Uh, questions are so important. You don't necessarily need to comment on every single thing, but rather, than that's always something I'm constantly thinking about, is as this person is talking, What questions could I ask to help clarify the story? Um, Because chances are that's a lot of times what um, the clients I'm working at, they have questions too. They just don't know how to ask it. Uh, But if they're able to share their story with me, I could be the one who asks the question and then they begin to work through it and talk through it with me. Um, That's a form of uh, talk therapy.
0: The other part I was thinking about is that you know you you do deal you've 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 confronted people who are in really harsh points in their life whether it was the refugees or the your current clients that you're working with I was wondering how are you able to um, separate you know the the Maybe sometimes the inherent sadness of their their lives and their stories, and then kind of keep the shine personally yourself as uh, as you do your work and not maybe carry that load in, home and how and can you or how do you keep those two things separate? It's hard
1: for one uh and that's something that I'm still learning uh I think I probably will always be learning of how do I improve this because I think all of us good social workers we want to be able to show empathy Um, and I think that's one of the things I always start with is you always start with empathy and remember empathy does not mean taking on the emotions of um, the person rather it's being able to walk through it with them. recognize that yeah you have a privilege of being able to listen to the story and this is a story that's being shared it's not necessarily the identity of the person and i think that's one of the things that it's a a trap we all fall into at times we share our stories and we say oh well our story is our identity no 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 um your identity is much more um simple much more to the core than that, um, one of the things I always try to do with clients is I note um, and share with them their positive qualities. If a client is funny and good at cracking jokes, I'll catch that and bring that up and be like, "Yeah, that was really funny." Um, I also look to see what can I learn from uh, the clients because they have been through such challenging. Um, stories and experiences, but at the same time, they're still here, which ultimately means they have a lot of strength. Uh, Quitting is always an option, but that's one of the amazing things about a lot of the stories that I've heard is in their own way, um, everyone that I've helped, they're still making the active choice to move forward and live their life the best they can. Um, and so I want to be able to empower them to
0: continue to live their lives, even if there are some challenges that go with it. Ryan, can you give me an example of like in your current job, what is a um, a scenario of success that has happened recently? Hmm. That's
1: very challenging. <laughs> Yeah, um, because success, I think that's part of what you have to ask first is just what is success to begin with? The clients that I'm working with, um, again, they're struggling with chronic mental health um, issues. It's something they're going to be faced with the rest of their lives. They're most likely going to always need our services. Uh, But what I really choose to look at as successes uh, is the person, when I'm able to meet with them, are they better able to share their stories and uh, find some joy in the life that they've experienced? I've had some clients um, that, yeah, it might be some of what they're going through in terms of mental health is biological. But a lot of it goes back to nurture life, just challenging life stories that if you and I lived and went through, we may not be here right now. Um, But one of the coolest things when working with a client is for a client to see them visually reflect on their challenges. Uh, growing up, um, having to be independent as a child, um, some of the fun stories that they have to share, even if it's something silly, like it maybe even sometimes not legal, like running from the cops or something, they were mm-hmm. causing trouble as a kid, but still there was a certain amount of, um, excitement to the story, um, and something they learned and got out of it, um. To me, when I um, get to see a client reflect on that and be like, yeah, that was interesting times. It wasn't all bad. Um, And I think that's, yeah, that's always huge when I see a client get to that point and realize like, yes, life is challenging, uh, but we should never really frame it as either good or bad. They're uh, events we go through and and it's up to us how we tell our stories Um, and I would say I'm a firsthand experience too. I've had some very big challenges in my life. Um, and I could choose to look at it as something that's terrible that has happened, or I could choose to reframe it and, and say, well, actually I grew a lot from this experience and I don't plan on living that experience again, but still, um, it's a part of my story and it's part of what has helped to shape me and put me where i am today and so i'm not concerned about changing the story i could reflect um and find even a sense of comfort of peace of like yeah that's the story i have to share and people could get out of it uh what they want uh people could get out of this interview what they want there's no agenda with that
0: so Ryan, this has been so great, and I'm really happy that we've been able to have this interview. I was wondering if you could leave the current Wildcats with a bit of advice for success.
1: Probably the story is ongoing. You're always going to be learning. Um, You know, there was a time, especially in my 20s, uh, where I would sometimes think, well, yeah, there has to get to the point where I'll have it all together. I'll have it all figured out. Um, and now that I'm in my 30s, I'm like, okay, yeah, I clearly don't have everything figured out. Um, I've learned a lot. Um, but I'm always going to be learning. There's always going to be something else to tell. Um Right now, my work, uh, you know, I'm working towards getting my professional license in social work. Uh, I love my job. My job is not my identity. Um, and that being said, I'm, yeah, I'm very comfortable. I enjoy the journey I'm on right now. But I'm also prepared for changes that will inevitably happen in my life.
0: And I'm excited for those changes when they do come. Um. Ryan, that was great. Uh, I have had such a great time catching up with you, and I want to thank you again for this interview, and I wish you all the best.
1: Cool. Thank you. It was good talking to you. I've enjoyed it immensely.
0: Thanks for listening. If you want to find past episodes, go to Apple Music, Podcasts, and search we go Vox.